0: The characteristic of our mind is that it thinks and proliferates constantly. It never stays still and stops. The reason we need to train our mind is so that it can stop and be still, or at least to have the thoughts lessen. Because the more we think, the more inner turmoil there is. The mind isn't peaceful. We can compare our mind that doesn't stop thinking to a monkey This monkey is an animal that doesn't stay still. Getting the monkey to stay still is very difficult because it will always be moving, jumping and shifting constantly. So how do we make this monkey stay still? We let this monkey loose in a forest that has say 32 trees. The monkey will jump to this tree and then that tree. The more it jumps around the more it will feel tired and lose its energy. Then it will just rest on one tree. It's like our mind that thinks about the past and future constantly and doesn't stop. It's like this throughout the whole day as well. So we use a meditation object in order to train the mind to be still. We use a meditation mantra, bhutto, along with the in and out breath. Usually, this will be difficult to do, because mindfulness will not stay present. Our mindfulness will not stay with Bhutto. So before we start meditating on the breath and the word Bhutto, we should chant internally a lot in the mind. We chant with mindfulness. For instance, we chant the virtues of the Buddha, beginning with Itibiso, say nine times. If the mind isn't peaceful yet, we add another nine repetitions. We keep adding repetitions until the mind feels tired, that it feels like it doesn't want to chant anymore or it feels like the chanting is not coming out. This is when the mind is starting to be tamed. The thoughts and proliferations are reduced. Here, we then establish our mindfulness on the breath along with the meditation word butto, but with the in-breath and to with the out-breath. This becomes easier to do. The great teachers advise us that if the mind thinks a lot and thinks quickly, then we should chant quickly. Don't let there be a gap for the thoughts to enter. When we chant quickly, at that time, mindfulness is with the Chanting. The mind that thinks here and there, that is compared to a monkey, becomes increasingly tamed, and then it's easier for us to catch the monkey. When mindfulness knows the in and out breath in this way, the quality of samadhi, or concentration, is firm. We begin to see the mind that has stillness. Ordinarily, we have just sufficient mindfulness. Enough not to be depressed or have other mental diseases arising. But whenever the mind becomes weak, then we will have mental diseases arise. This is called the weak mind. So Venerable Ajahn Chah taught that to train the mind to be strong, we need to make this mind have stillness. If we are to make our body strong, then we need to move the body and exercise it. Then the body will be strong. To exercise the mind, we need the mind to have mindfulness with simply one mental object. And this mind that has stillness will develop into wisdom. It is the wisdom that knows and understands nature, that there is simply arising, staying and passing away. If we know and see clearly, this is called seeing the Dhamma. That is we let go of this sense of having a me and mine. It is not that we can let go of everything. We just let go of our thoughts and views. Because we are born with these words, me and mine, always. These words, me and mine, is the cause for suffering to arise in the mind. The Buddha taught us the method to escape from suffering. It starts in the beginning that the Buddha advised us first to understand about giving through seeing one's selfishness. Like we have wealth of ours that was difficult for us to gain and the wealth left over, after our use we share and build goodness with it. We call this as getting rid of greed. We make donations and offerings in a moderate way that doesn't create problems within our family. That is, we don't do donations for the purpose of gaining merit in the next life. When it is summer, the body feels very hot. We shower and drink cool water. And then we feel cool right in this present moment. The coolness doesn't arise in the next life. When we make offerings, we give up a portion of our wealth and then the mind is at ease. We call the wealth we gain in this way. Noble wealth of the highest type. It can't be stolen, robbed or taken away from us. It's really ours. It is deep within our spiritual heart. It is far from any dangers that can destroy it. When we make offerings consistently, this is called letting go of greed. But we must be careful. We have given it up already. And this is called getting rid of unskillful or bad actions... And making merit. But this greed has not been completely eliminated. We have to be cautious. It can enter back at any time. Like we make offerings of food in the monastery. And we have given it away already. And after we leave the meditation hall to take the food left over. Oh, our eyes see the food. And then greed may arise. We have to be careful. Or in some places, like in the centre in Malaysia, they said that some people take food that isn't that good food to offer to the monks, which is gathered along with the other people's food offerings. Then when they go home, they take the good food of other people home. The greed has arisen anew. This greed doesn't just arise in lay people. Ajahn Chah has said in a talk that the lay people bring food to offer the monks But the monks can have greed arise as well when they aren't willing to share it. He said this is way worse than the lay people. The lay people can share it but the monks receive it and then don't share it. They have greed arising from the things that other people have already given away. Ajahn Chah said that this is really bad. Or one other story that I want to share of the sticky rice that could lay eggs. In the northeast of Thailand, usually the people would offer sticky rice to the monks. They would gather the sticky rice together. One day, an elderly but newly ordained monk gathered the sticky rice in his arms bowl. This elderly monk was sitting meditation and his sticky rice could have an egg appear. How does this happen? The elderly monk, instead of taking the food out and sharing it with the monks, he felt that he really wanted to eat the egg. He received. So what to do? If he put it in his bowl and the other monks saw, that would be against the practice of the monks to gather all the food together after alms round. So he hid the egg inside his sticky rice. The sticky rice he clumped around the egg. No one saw. But he himself saw. It wasn't that no one saw. A Jancha would say, Aren't we a person? We are scared of others seeing, but aren't we a person? Here the teacher of that elderly monk and the teacher of Ajancha, Lungpu Tongrat, exclaimed that sticky rice can lay eggs. Let's go see. He asked that elderly monk, how can sticky rice lay eggs? The other monks were curious. They had never seen sticky rice lay eggs. They went to the elderly monk's bowl and they couldn't see any egg. Lungpu Tongrat said to take apart the clump of sticky rice and look inside it so happened that the egg was hidden inside the sticky rice since that day the elderly monk was so afraid of doing that again that he wouldn't even think to do that we could say that he saw the Dhamma instantly he rid that greed from his mind that wanted to take advantage of the other monks this is the story of a monk that is the sticky rice that can lay eggs So this greed can arise in the mind of people. But one makes offerings and merit till we have the feeling that we don't want the things of other people. And on top of that, we have offered and given away our own things. We do this often until we have the feeling that if we could have many things and wealth, we don't want the things of others to be ours. And the things and wealth that we do have, we give in an appropriate amount this is the virtuous characteristics of the mind that has seen the dhamma this is the mind that understands the true fundamentals of giving and sacrificing for others benefit and that knows clearly that greed is the highest evil however this greed arises this leads to the lowering of the mind just the thought of wanting the wealth of others to be ours that is greed that has fixated on an object This is unskillfulness or demerit that arises in the mind. This unskillfulness arises in the mind but we don't follow it and we try to let go of this thought and we try to have generosity. So the person that has faith plants a fruit tree and when the fruit ripens, they make an offering of it to the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. They give it away. They train in this way until it becomes part of their character And normal behavior. It is a regular karma or action that they do often. Whenever they reflect on this action. They do so with a feeling of joy and happiness. We have never taken the wealth of others to be our own. We have happiness and joy in the mind consistently. Here we call it the making of merit and generosity. And this is to a high level of parami or spiritual potential. That can see and know the Dhamma. Even if we haven't yet seen the Dhamma, we may determine to keep building this spiritual potential, and it's a great merit that we have done. This merit that we make, we call it kata Punyata, the merit that one has done in the past, the merit that one does this life, that is also the cause of the future, for tomorrow, or next month, or next year. So the karma that one does in the present that is able to let go of greed, we can do it because of the causes that we have done in the past. The causes in the past become the results in the present. And this present is also the cause for the results in the future. We make offerings and merit until we don't want the wealth of others to be our own. And here it is easy. We have sila or morality that is inherently in the mind we don't need to undertake from the monks the five moral precepts of the precept of adinat to refrain from stealing from others here when the mind is like this it has generosity and whether we do a little or a lot of offerings the mind is contented this is because the mind has a foundation of sila or morality but the mind is still like a monkey that thinks uncontrollably so we need to go against the natural tendencies of the mind by using a meditation object. Like I have already advised, to chant a lot in one day. Chant itipiso, piso maybe 108 times. Especially for the elderly who stay at home and have a lot of time to themselves. They can play a chanting CD and chant along with it. And the more one does this, we may even just think of the chanting and then joy happiness and stillness arises. This is called a level of samadhi arising in the mind. So this mind that has strength will feel like there is mindfulness to know in time the mental thinking and proliferations of the mind as they arise. Here we call this the mind that has stillness. Even if there is thinking, the mind is still. We have seen a mind that is peaceful we have seen a mind that is thinking uncontrollably. The mind that has samadhi is really peaceful. And after this we will see that even if there is thinking, and when we hear, see and have other sense contact, but the mind is able to stay still. The mental object is an object and the mind is a the mind. They can be separated. They are different things. Ajahn Chah had a good comparison of this, that we have seen water that is still, and we have seen water that is flowing. But have we seen still flowing water? The still flowing water externally we have never seen. But if the mind is still, and the thoughts are flowing past, then we'll see that the mind is still, but there are thoughts present. This is called still flowing water. When we have trained the mind to this point, even just once, we will have firm faith and confidence in the Buddha arise. Until we have the understanding that the mind that chants, it chants, but it's like we aren't chanting. It is the body that chants and the brain that orders it to chant. The mind knows and it gradually starts to see the non-self aspect. When we do this more often, and see clearly this aspect of non-self. This is called seeing the Dhamma. We let go of the wrong view that has been present for such a long time. The view that we have a me and mine. When we have me and mine present, what is this like? We have arisen from a mother and father, and we have this self. And really, these bodily elements are our father's and mother's possession. We haven't fully repaid their kindness. But when we see that there is no such thing as a self, that it's all just the same elements, that there is no being, no self, me or them, then this is entering the Dhamma. When an individual enters the Dhamma like this, the more their minds will become good and beautiful and will have respect and humility Because they train and watch the mind constantly. Sometimes the mind proliferates uncontrollably. Then we have mindfulness to bring the mind back. So mindfulness is something very important. The more that we have, the more the great benefit for us. We begin from making offerings. And when greed arises, we are careful by using the quality of mindfulness so that the greed doesn't overcome our minds. When the mind has anger, then we must have mindfulness. When the mind has delusion, we must have mindfulness. We develop as much mindfulness as we can. How much ever mindfulness we have, the closer we get to the Buddha. We come close to the teachings of the Buddha. May you all be determined to practice the Dhamma. May you all grow in Dhamma and in blessings.